Hey there, everybody. This is Kevin once again, cutting in at the beginning of this episode because it's another flashback week where we're going back to The Faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography, a book we did way, way back in the days of 2018-2019. I also wanted to jump in here at the beginning of this episode to let you know that the choice has been made. Our next book has been selected by our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. And we will, in fact, to Ben Lick's despair, be reading Ben Shapiro's The Right Side of History. So I hope you are all excited for that as soon as this book review of Triggered is done. And of course, we'll be back next week with another chapter of that book to get us closer to our next, which will again be Ben Shapiro's The Right Side of History. That's it for all the intro stuff this week. Remember, if you haven't already, leave us a review over on iTunes or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, all the usual places. We hope you enjoy the show and uh, stay safe during COVID, as always. You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can-eat-more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. And in the final segment this week, we get back into the faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography. We are in part two of the book now, which is where it gets good, because now we are into Donald Trump and his run for president. So this uh, this chapter, chapter 13, is titled The Escalator. And uh, my alternate chapter title for this was... I have it. Can I say mine? My good? Mm-hmm. I yeah. have it as Stairway to Hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, my alternate chapter title is So Many People Don't Understand That Born in the USA Is Not a Patriotic Song. Uh, because the first the first page and a half of this really pissed me off. Because, let's start off with, they're talking about, of course, the infamous day when Donald Trump came down the escalator at Trump Tower to announce his run for president. And they put this sentence, okay, this sentence pissed me off for one thing, because it is, quote, then the recorded music of rocker Neil Young played loudly over speakers assembled on tripods. Now, first off, having to emphasize that it's recorded music, I don't know why. I don't know why you put that in there. But then you called Neil Young a rocker. Yeah, I mean Neil fucking Young. Well, okay, I mean, look, the, he the, has the a first few thing songs. I wrote was uh, was probably against his will. Yes, the, yes. And, and it turns out immediately it that turns that is out, the case. Yes. 
<laughs> and they put that Donald Trump lists Neil Young as one of his favorite musicians, and but, then but go then into how much Neil later, Young hates Trump. Yeah, and then and then a paragraph later is like Trump made his feelings known about the song after Neil Young told him to stop using it. <laughs> Didn't love it anyway. Didn't yes, love it anyway. Yes. Despite no, being one of my favorite musicians. <laughs> Didn't love but it. they describe the back and forth between the Trump campaign and Neil Young, uh, which ended with Young, they say, quote, Young let his final word on the subject be, fuck you, Donald Trump, said on stage and then posted on his Facebook page, which we know broke Donald Trump's tiny yeah. little cholesterol-filled heart. Yep. Uh, be- because apparently I Neil Young, as they like said, is one of his favorites. Heart. Yes, yes. But the problem is they're they're talking about he they used the song Rockin' in the Free World. Without permission. Which is also. which yeah, which is just like Born in the USA. Mm-hmm. It is just like it is the same thing. It is not a song talking about how great America is. It is a song very critical of the United States yeah, and mean, all the, the problems the authors, that we have. To be fair, do you recognize it? They do, barely. Barely. Yeah, I mean, they they talk about the juxtaposition of bleak dystopian mm-hmm. lyrics. Uh, yes, I bet Trump didn't get it though. No, that that was my point. Is that they used it because it has the word "free" in it. Mm-hmm. That's why they chose the song. And it's the yeah. same thing. People on the Fourth of July blasting "Born in the USA" who only know the chorus and don't know the rest of the lyrics. Yeah. But it has "Born in the USA" in it. It sounds vaguely patriotic, and they don't mm-hmm. fucking know. Yeah, I mean, so, but they do. They do do some close but no potato stuff though. Mm-hmm. Like, again, so they. You know, they talk about for large numbers of Americans, life sucks. Yeah, it does. But why is that? Like, why, why, why is that? It's because of uh, hypercapitalism and people not being looked after. There are opioid epidemics that we don't even bother to try and solve. There's there's Medicare. There's there's medical issues. There's people not being paid a living wage. Like, there are a lot of reasons why life sucks. None of those being fixed by the Trump presidency. And yes. also, yeah, then goes on to say. Why not elect a successful person, the kind of person who could create Trump Tower? That's literally the opposite of what's required. <laughs> like the people, the people who are struggling, they don't need Trump Tower. They mm-hmm. need a roof. Yes. Like that. That's not it. It's not about making life better for the already wealthy and getting people who already live in apartments two apartments in trump tower it's about getting people who live on the street who are struggling to survive into places of safety where mm-hmm. they can thrive that's that's the safety net we should be looking for not oh i built a giant gold building <laughs> yes uh, but they move on and they talk about more they're talking mainly in this chapter about that that very event the escalator event right and mm-hmm. so they're talking about they call it shrewd political stagecraft I mean, when he, Trump, he is really smart at stagecraft. That's true. That's that. Like he's good at that. That's the one thing I think he's good at. I you know, honestly, I don't think it's intentional, though. I think it is the sort of falling no, backwards just, into his, being good at it. Maybe it's how his brain works, but it works perfectly mm-hmm. for for mm-hmm. this stuff. And, but know, they talk about him to, making fun of Rick Perry and uh, Lincoln Chafee's launches, their their yeah. campaign launches, where Rick Perry was in an aircraft hangar with no air conditioner and was sweating. And Lincoln Chafee uh, had a half-empty room. And apparently yeah. this is the masterful political stagecraft of cracking really not even good jokes, just bringing them up. Yeah. And the, the thing that, that was so but, like, dumb about it it's was... It's exactly how his brain works. When he, sa- he says, yeah. and they didn't know, talking about Lincoln Chafee, he says, and they didn't know the room was too big because they didn't have anybody there. How are they going to beat ISIS? 
What? Like those two are related <laughs> yeah. to each other. Yeah. Like the two are related exactly. at it's all. It's exactly how his brain works. Like, I know how many people can fit into a room and can fill a room. Therefore, I can do anything. That mm-hmm. I mean, that is the narcissism of Donald Trump's brain. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they bring up the they're sending rapists and some, I assume, are good people line. Yeah. Uh, and they call this, they call this a sign of his straight shooting honesty on the issues. Mm-hmm. They say... His lack of verbal discretion was a sign of his straight shooting honesty on the issues. No, it's a sign of not having a filter between your brain and your fucking mouth. That's yep. what it is. That's yeah, all it and, is. And then they immediately do the thing of, uh, you know, he said this, and then they try and justify it by saying someone was killed as a result yes. of an illegal immigrant. Which Kate like- Steinle, a, a, a California case, uh, which was just grossly misrepresented by Fox News and the right-wing media as a deliberate, cold-blooded murder, when this guy picked up a gun wrapped in a towel, and it shot off, and the bullet ricocheted off the ground and hit her. Uh, yeah. Which is still tragic, but the mm-hmm. way they used it for their political bullshit was disgusting. And I remember getting into virtually a shouting match with my mom over this, yeah. who wouldn't accept the facts yeah. The facts of I the I mean, case. I'd, I'd hate to think what she says about Molly Tibbetts, because that's, oh, you know, that's, that's a whole Good thing. Good fucking Christ. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, again, like, I've just written, like, any famous mass shootings that year? It's like, we <laughs> only want to be murdered by our own kind. Like, yes, what, what, exactly. what, are you, what are you trying to prove here? Like, I know. It's, it's as if, uh, just imagine if on the other side, uh, every time a, uh, let's say, a preacher or a priest raped a kid, we sat there and pointed that out as how bad white people are. Yeah, it's the same thing, and it doesn't make sense to argue it that way either. You argue it about how bad preachers and priests are, not about white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> the next thing <laughs> that they put in here, uh, they're talking about the next thing, he, something else he said later on in that, and they say he pulled in biblical imagery yeah, to explain really? the futi- I know, I know you <laughs> spotted it too. To explain the futility of following leaders who can't produce results, and the extent of this biblical the imagery. biblical imagery. <laughs> Is gonna, that Trump said, referring to these other leaders, they won't bring us, believe me, because he can't finish a sentence without interrupting himself, to the promised land. That was it. Blink and he you missed said it. the gone. promised land. Blink and you missed it. Jesus Not that that's Christ. like popular vernacular in any way. You know? No, it's exactly. Not, you know, it's not like it's like, say, it's like saying that, that someone. Shit. It's like like saying that someone who calls a rescuer a good Samaritan is quoting the Bible. It's like, yeah, kind of, but but that's not what it means. They're not being biblical. Literally, you, when you said that, your reaction was, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Doesn't mean you believe in Jesus. (laughs) Like, you know, but. It's entered the vernacular, yes. It's a vernacular thing. Like, I say, oh my God, I don't be, oh, like, oh no, God. Like, it's not the same. But really, we are we are 13 chapters deep into this book, and we have seen how desperate they are to try yeah. and force religion onto Donald Trump in some way. And so Cross they have to take stores. anything they can get. And they are. They are swinging for the fences and, you know, hitting a infield pop fly. But really, um, the next thing they get into is talking about well, how also, Trump— they then quote Exodus for some reason, oh, where Moses yeah. is like, I am slow of speech and of tongue, which is the opposite <laughs> of Trump. <laughs> Trump speaks so fast that it's it's gone past you before you realize what dumb shit he said. It needs to be replaced with, I am stupid of speech and of tongue. Yes. Uh, But the next thing they talk about is how rich Donald Trump is and how that is apparently a sign of how godly he is, right? Because apparently, apparently Donald Trump being rich and in massive amounts of debt. uh Yeah. 
Whatever. Yeah, I know. They Things. they they uh they skipped that part of the Bible. Yeah. But uh, they talk about because he's rich, there is an ethical promise of his potential governance. He couldn't be bought or bribed, which he has been bought and bribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they bring up another Exodus quote to prove this. They say when Moses established leaders who would judge disputes, he told the Israelites Israelites to quote look for able men who fear God, who are trustworthy. And hate a bribe. So he loves a bribe. Uh, he loves a bribe. He doesn't fear God. He says that in his own words later in the next chapter. Yeah, literally and, in the next chapter. And he's definitely not trustworthy. Uh, a guy who's cheated on every wife he's ever had. So mm-hmm. I don't know why they thought that was a good point to put in there, but they did. Uh, next thing we moved on to. For some reason, jumping very quickly to the other Republican candidates. And it says, yes. and I quote, Trump found his fellow ca- Republican candidates to be good men, but men of indecision. He hated those motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. Little oh, he hated Marco all of Rubio, them. lying Ted Cruz. Like, are you kidding me? Zodiac he killer Ted them. Cruz. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, that's just descriptive. Yes, I mean, come on, he is. Let's be honest. Look at the fucking guy. He then gets into how they can't lead and can't make up their. This is a Trump quote that they're they're just block quoting about how they can't decide on issues like the Iraq War. And he says, "Look at Bush. It took him five days to answer the question on Iraq. These are simple questions." And I want to say, no, those are not simple fucking questions. Well, no, and also, I mean, famously, Donald Trump is on record saying he supported the Iraq War at the time. Yeah, he just that was before he was against life. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so then the, the final thing in his speech, of course, we know Donald Trump put a dollar amount to how much he was worth. And he said it was $8,737,540,000. Uh, of course, we know that's probably not true. Forbes doesn't think it's true. No. Uh, and he gets super mad about it, too. It's he gets funny. super mad about it when you bring up how he's lying about how much he's worth. And But they say that the reason he uses his wealth was to say that he's competent and, like they said earlier in this chapter, that he can't be bought, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I will restate, I will say again, is not true. Donald Trump definitely can be bought. Yep. Um, But then they end this chapter with, I I just loved this, and I'm going to read the whole last paragraph because it's great. For those with ears to hear, Trump launched his campaign with moral argumentation. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> Not with the language of the ivory tower, mind you, but in the tongue and bluster heard at the counter of a local greasy spoon or rotary club. Trump argued that it's wrong to fail to protect your citizens when it's your duty as the head of the executive branch to do so. It's dishonest to say you're watching out for the country when you're really a puppet of special interest groups. These are moral arguments. No, they're not. He never made those arguments. Yeah, you've, he just said, you've pulled those out of nowhere, sir. He, he never said those. He said, look at all the rapists. They're all rapists. I know, they're all rapists. Maybe there's one or two good ones, but they're all rapists. I'm and really this, rich. This last <laughs> you paragraph, know I'm really rich. This last paragraph just stuck out to me like the people who said, because they say, for those with ears to hear, right? It stucks out, sticks out to me like the people who said, oh, you just didn't really get the movie Inception because you said you didn't really <laughs> like it. And I'll be honest, I didn't really like Inception. Yeah, you probably just it's an didn't interesting it. premise. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's an interesting premise. It's just not a very decent movie. It's, it's fuck, they're trying to do something philosophical, but they just turned it into an action movie. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. Huh? Um, next chapter, next chapter, chapter number 14. This is titled, What is Your Relationship with God? My alternative title is Iowa, a love letter. <laughs> My alternative chapter title is for this one is The Reason These Two Authors Started Running Around the Country Last Saturday Ripping Out Chapters of Their Book. 
<laughs> uh, because we definitely see a thing in here about John McCain they probably are regretting right now. Yep. So, yes, as you mentioned, this is a lot about Iowa. Yeah. Uh, and we start off. Iowa ranks time... first in the nation in corn production, which I've just written. <laughs> Kevin, you can attest to this. <laughs> oh, fuck Iowa. So fuck much corn. corn. I'm never so eating another corn. Frito in my life. Uh, I saw so much corn. Uh-huh. I saw too much corn. But they bring up the, uh, Iowa and the Iowa caucuses, because now we're getting into the election. And they have this paragraph here that I thought, is this an attempt at humor? Because what they wrote is, uh, Iowans caucus. They do so in January or early February of an election year. That much is known. As for how caucuses work, it has yet to be proven that an average Iowan understands the process. The rest of us don't, yet we look on with curiosity every four years. Which, that's decently funny if they meant it as a joke. I just can't figure out if they did. Yeah, I because mean, because caucuses I also, are I fucking also, confusing. I don't, I, I don't think they're that confusing. You go into a room and everyone says who they're voting for. Right, right. But no, no. You go into a room. Everyone says who they're voting for. There are representatives elected from that caucus to go to a larger caucus, a, a regional caucus, and then you redo it over again, and then you finally end up at the state. And you, you know, if there's a indecision about the caucus, then you go and you talk to people and try and convince them. It's a whole process. Yeah, I uh, don't, I don't think it's that complicated. Though, really, I mean, no. But like in the political science world, we do sort of make fun of caucuses for being confusing and stupid I mean, because really, it's just easier to cast a vote. It, it really it, is. It's not. It, it's not sillier than you, how you used to have votes in America, where you used to have two people sat at the front of the hall, and you had to go and tell them which one of them you were voting for. Like, and yeah, then, and then they'd be like, "Thank it. you for your vote, sir." Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so they're talking about Iowa, of course, and they uh, they say the ambitious among the electoral uh, uh, hopefuls will attempt the full Grassley, which apparently not to be is confused the... with the full Monty. <laughs> You know, apparently the feat of visiting all 99 counties in Iowa. Now, I had never heard of this before. Apparently, Chuck Grassley every year goes and claims to visit uh, all 99 counties in Iowa. Of course, I took the time to look this up, and the Des Moines Register has a very different idea of what the full Grassley is. They call it the fake Grassley, uh, because he does not spend any time in eight of Iowa's most populous 10 counties. He visits them in the sense that he drives through them. He does yeah, not hold Yeah, it's like how I've technically there. been to Nebraska because I've flown yeah. over it. <laughs> exactly. So he only goes to the places where he's most popular, obviously. Yeah, uh, cuz he doesn't want he doesn't want to face any sort of actual confrontation with people who might have <laughs> things to say about his performance in the Senate. Um so the next thing they bring up which I found very fun was that there is this uh summit, a leadership summit hosted by the Christian political organization, The Family Leader, which they mm. describe as Iowa's foremost conservative Christian political organization. Gross. Um, yeah, very gross. I took the time to look this up because this is very fun. This organization <laughs> is a lot of fun. Okay. So uh, they have a sponsorship page for their leadership summit, and they are going to have their, their next summit is the 19th of September. So it's oh, coming fun. up. Yeah, and Donald back, Trump head is. Back to Iowa? <laughs> Donald Trump is scheduled to be there. Now, Fun. they are sponsored by the Alliance Defending Freedom, a hate group, uh, the Susan B. Anthony List, I've never heard of before, uh, wow. probably a hate group, the Family Leader themselves, uh, IF714, which is some revivalist organization, mm-hmm. the CUFI Action Fund, which is the... Can you fuck it? 
<laughs> Actually, a much better name. Uh, a much better. Uh, that's, pre- uh, that's pretty Catholic, yeah. right? It, much better, much better than their actual name, which is Christians United for Israel. <laughs> the nation's largest oh, no. pro-Israel organization. Oh, no. uh, we know why, because they think Israel's going to bring the apocalypse. That's what they want. Uh, they are also sponsored by Liberty University Helms School of Government. Why wouldn't they be? Uh, yeah, an unranked government school. Uh, Embrace Life Chiropractic. Of course, you got to have uh, a chiropractor in there. And Iowans for tax relief. Is that a pro-life chiropractor? Like, oh yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll Oh, I would this. imagine it probably is. That's it probably is. Uh, I also went and checked out uh, their their website, the Family Leaders website, and the issues they are focused on. I found this to be equally as fun as their sponsors. Uh, they have listed marriage. We believe marriage is a permanent lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. Yep, that sounds uh, right. The sancti- sanctity of life, of course, they're anti-abortion. Of Sexuality, under which they have <laughs> the sentence, the family leader affirms sexual relations within the bond of marriage and opposes distortions of sexuality or special rights to those practicing distorted sexual behavior. So no blowjobs. Uh, no, no blowjobs. Uh, judicial activism. They say the family leader supports efforts to keep judicial activism in check. Uh, education. Uh, they're about, uh, of course, uh, Christian schools getting money from the federal government. Obviously mm-hmm. a big thing for them. Uh, they're against gambling, so they're no fun. And, of course, there is taxes and spending. They say, we believe the costs of excessive government and overtaxation is a direct threat to family well-being. How? How? I don't think they could tell you. Yeah. But they say it. At least <laughs> they say it. Uh, so that is yeah. the event that they are talking about Donald Trump being yeah. at and speaking at, where my, he was interviewed my favorite by Frank bit Luntz. about this event, the first bit, is uh, they talk about him adding Trumpian co- color to, to an answer about common, common Core in which he said, it's a way of taking care of the people in Washington that, frankly, I don't think they give a damn about education, half of them. And then Luntz said, do you How? want to use, do you do want to use know? the word in the forum? Oh, damn. The word damn. damn, yes. Damn, the word damn is a scary word. And I just want to go off quickly on this. So they're quite happy for him to call Mexicans rapists. Mm-hmm. But if he uses the word damn, he might want to rethink his phrasing. Honestly, it's like, it's I don't think things, so. Like, they'll be the meanest fucking people in the world and then be like, oh, but you can't say fuck. Well, so... later in this chapter, they sort of talk about how all the stuff that Donald Trump has said and done is wrong for evangelicals, but they just didn't care. Yeah. They still don't care. And they just gloss over that and say, well, you know, evangelicals didn't care that he's exactly what the opposite of what they say they want in the leader. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Frank Luntz was interviewing Donald Trump at this, uh, this leadership event, uh, and Luntz asked, don't you feel that you went too far in what you call Mexicans coming across the border? Uh, Donald Trump, of course, said, no, of course (laughs) I didn't. They're all a bunch of rapists. And then went on to quote himself or quote, uh, I guess, praise, non-existent praise of him saying, and now everybody is saying that Trump was right. Uh, which no, that never happened. He he says he started a dialogue on illegal immigration, which isn't true. Like, we've been talking about <laughs> illegal immigration since, like, Reagan, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is where we get to the part where they're throwing shots at John McCain. Yes. Uh, Luntz Go challenged off, him. <laughs> Luntz challenged Trump about his calling Arizona Senator John McCain a dummy a week earlier. And this is the event where we got the quote about John McCain not being a hero. A hero. 
Yeah. Uh, so Donald Lance, Trump, of course, Lance was said, pushing the fact that he was a war hero, and then yes, yes. Uh, so Trump infamously responded, "He hit me. He's not a war hero." Uh, he hit apparently, me. Yes. What makes you a hero is how you interact with Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, Trump, what he said, here's the full quote, because oftentimes we don't hear the full quote of this. We just hear the first part. The full quote of what Donald Trump said in this event is, quote, he's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you he was a war hero because he was captured, okay? Wow, that is, I just Bad reading that cadence, right now, yeah. he just repeated the same thing uh, and said okay twice. And I believe perhaps he is a war hero, but right now he said some very bad things about a lot of people. So what I said is John McCain, I disagree with him that those people aren't crazy. Because, of course, what John McCain said was that Donald Trump was being, bringing all the crazies out with his rallies. Yeah. Uh, so there is a little bit more context there. Which, but still, I mean, to be fair, John McCain did too because he brought Sarah Palin to his. So. Yes, yes. Same uh, who, by the way, was not invited to his funeral, Yeah. Uh, which I thought was great. Um, but next we get into the evangelical stuff, right? And this is where Frank Luntz asked Donald Trump, have you ever asked God for forgiveness? To which Trump responded... <laughs> That's a tough question. Yeah. No, it's not. It's either a yes or a no. No, exactly. It's, it's very not easy. a very tough question. It's one of the easier questions you might ever be asked. Yes. Um, and this, the, the rambling quote he gives here, and I, we could just describe all Trump quotes that way. Yeah. Uh, to respond to this, he said, I don't think in terms of, I have, I am a religious person, shockingly, because people are so shocked when they find this out. I'm Protestant, I'm Presbyterian, and I go to church. I love God and I love my church. I, I literally think that that quote is the basis of this whole book, and they've, yes. they've tried to stretch that quote to a yes. Because you remember when they book. you remember when they say Donald Trump maintains that he's a Protestant and a Presbyterian. Yeah, I that's think where that's from. where they got it from. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and so then the next thing he said is one of the most, I guess. Uh, they call it one of the most ridiculed statements he uttered during the campaign. I don't think Can that's true. I've never one? seen these first. No. I, I've no. never seen this quote before. Absolutely. But this quote is, uh, just continuing on about the uh, asking God for forgiveness thing. I'm not sure I have. I just go and try to do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think if I do something wrong, I think I just try to make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and when I drink my little wine, which is about the only wine I drink... <laughs> And I have so my little cracker. Stupid. Have my little cracker. <laughs> uh, I guess that cracker. is a form of asking for forgiveness. And I do that as often as possible because I feel cleansed, okay? Which, let me just say, I had my little wine and I had my little cracker when I went to Catholic school and went to Catholic uh, mass all the time. Doesn't make and, you a Christian. Doesn't make me a Christian because I'm sure as shit not. And uh, it sure as shit didn't feel like asking for forgiveness either. It felt like the priest makes you all stand up and get in lines and walk up and have your little yeah. cracker and drink your little wine, then go sit back down, and then you're either kneeling or you're standing. It depends on when it was in the Catholic Church, because they change the fucking rules all the goddamn time. Mm -hmm. And you got to kneel and stand and kneel and stand and all this shit, and it's just ridiculous. But then, David Brody, I'm assuming this is David Brody writing this chapter. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he says, uh, in response to what Donald Trump said, that he could have lied about about his relationship with God, right? He could yeah. have. And honestly, the, the answer is that Donald Trump didn't know that he should have. Yeah. Uh, he was due to, too dumb to know he should have lied about it. But that his lying about his practice of, of confession would have kept him out of trouble with the piety inspectors. And this is where we start to get into them admitting in this book that 
anything Donald Trump has ever done does not matter to the evangelicals. No, exactly. Because politics There's, matter more to them than religion. Exactly. This whole chapter is like a huge self-own. Like, mm-hmm. all this shit should have mattered, but it didn't. I wonder why. Well, I have some theories, David. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, there's other rambling quotes by Donald Trump in here. I th- oh, this one's great. I think God helped me. Uh, Luntz asked, does God help you do these great deals? And yeah. Trump said, I think God helped me. God helped me by giving me a certain brain. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, it's a bad thing. I went through a phenomenal school, the Wharton School of Finance, which is said to be the greatest business school in the world. No, it's not. It's actually ranked number three. Harvard and University of Chicago are both above it. Yeah. Uh, Trump, and then Trump attributed, they, they say about that, Trump attributed his intellectual and financial success in life to God's gifting. Did he really? No. Did no, he, he really just he, he, he was he, in a Christian forum and said God a few times, I think yeah, is the extent exactly. of it there. Exactly. Uh, but then they sort of hit back against that, saying that a more nuanced tongue would be cautious here, making sure not to equate material success as proof of right standing with God, who Jesus said sends the blessing of sun and rain on the just and the unjust alike. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle mm-hmm. than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes, yes. Uh, and then, you know, they, they there's a weird story about the Pharisees as well. Uh-huh. I don't really understand why that came in. And then Mike Huckabee nope. comes back into the story. As well, a, and we, we talk about Donald character. Trump never. Well, and they, they get a little bit into more because obviously these are evangelical Protestants and they're all about it doesn't matter if you do good things. It's only if you give your life over to Jesus. Yeah. So yeah, they bring yeah. that up and say Donald Trump has never done that. Uh, and they have this paragraph where they are pretty explicitly saying the whole thing about it doesn't matter. If yeah. you do good deeds, yeah. which is the Pharisee, the Pharisee part. Mm-hmm. And then they say, uh, thinking that his own religion, uh, the spiritual disease of the Pharisee wasn't simply arrogance, though he had plenty of that. It was self-righteousness, thinking that his own religious works had earned God's smile as if God's smile on us is a wage that we earn through good behavior. Like the Apostle Paul before his conversion to Christ, religious deeds numb us to the reality of just how sinful we are and how much we need the grace of confession, all, which is about it's all as such bullshit. I'm sorry. It, yeah, yeah. It's the it's excuse for not being a good person. <laughs> you can yeah. say you are because you I don't love need Jesus. to be a good person because I love yes. Jesus. Cool, cool, cool. Yes. Yeah, and then they but, have the Ma- Ma- Mick, Mike, Mick, Mike, Mike Huckabee. Huckabee, Mike Huckabee quote of the faith community. They were really against Obama and Hillary. They really didn't care whether Trump was a person of faith or not. That just didn't matter. I mean, it's pretty evident by the things that he said, which is Mick Huckabee, yeah. Mike Huckabee being very accurately assessing the situation. No, so, he actually did. And like, it, it is important. It is always important to bring up uh, that Mike Huckabee's sons tortured dogs. Yep. Uh, always important. Always important to remind always everyone. Important. But it's just like yeah. Mike Huckabee recognizes in a paragraph that Donald Trump is not religious. <laughs> so why have we spent a book, half a book so far, trying to prove that he is like what what's the point you've already said it doesn't fucking matter so why do we care why do they write entire books of apologetics trying to square away scientific facts that we know the bible got wrong it's the same thing yeah they're trying to prove their preconceived beliefs uh so the last thing we get in this chapter is donald trump going to mobile alabama in the deep heart of the Bible Belt, of course, uh, and Jeff Sessions stirring up the hometown Sweet crowd before home. Donald Trump. Uh, I think this is another another page they probably would have gone and torn out uh, based on the last week or two's events. Yep. Um, and they talk about a photo that Donald Trump took, or someone took of Donald Trump, where he was, I don't know, kissing a baby or something. Yeah, and, said and the, the woman cute. made like crazy eyes and then yeah, and, made fun of her for it. 
And then there was someone with a crazy photo behind her that, or a, a sign behind her that said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for President Trump. Uh, I don't, I honestly couldn't tell you what the point of this anecdote was in here. Well, other I mean, than, I, I think it's a big like, oh, the liberals were so mean, but I literally don't remember this. No, like, me I, I don't remember seeing this photo. So I think they must have got so worked up about liberals being mean mm-hmm. when like we couldn't care less because i literally yep. i've done i looked this photo up i never saw this photo in the campaign no me either i don't think uh but they the last point they're trying to make in this chapter is how were there thirty thousand people in this arena in mobile alabama in the bible belt the answer to which of course is there's a lot of shitty people in the bible belt who wanted to go to a trump rally right yeah it's mobile alabama there's plenty places around there People just drive because they want to see this raging also, dickhole. Name recognition. He mm-hmm. is super famous. So yeah. obviously, and people love people loved him because of The Apprentice, like it or not. Like he was very popular because of that. So yeah, that's why he can fill arenas from from yeah. the get go. So the last paragraph of this chapter, I will read as I usually do. Quote: Something wasn't computing, but at the same time, because it wasn't computing, it made it all more intriguing. And the media did a double-take, not that they believed this was for real. This also seems to be when Trump started to realize all that was happening, and this rally was a beginning to the idea that Trump appealed to blue-collar evangelicals. End of chapter. And I will say, uh, I think the overwhelming tone of this is them trying to excuse the fact that evangelicals cared more about politics than religion. I think that's what we're going to get a lot of in the upcoming chapters. I, I think that's almost exclusively what this book is about. So yeah, as far no, as I, I would agree. Tell. I would agree. So the next chapter, which you're only going to get if you're a patron over on Patreon.com. Uh, but anyways, why don't we get into this week's chapter from the faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography. This is chapter 15, and it is titled... The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, uh, which literally they just ripped off a kid's Sunday school song. I, I mentioned on the main show, they just ripped off a kid's Sunday school song. There was no creativity in this mm, one. Uh, but my alternative... My alternative ch- chapter title, sorry, you go. You well, go, my go. alternative chapter title is The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's as much as Trump can tell you about it. <laughs> I, I've gone along similar lines, I guess. I've kept the B-I-B-L-E. I've got... The B-I-B-L-A. Wait, how do you spell Bible again? Let me see your notes. <laughs> very good. Very good. So we start off this. You remember in the last chapter, we ended with the uh, talk of Trump's rally in Mobile, Alabama, and how crazy Mobile, it was that he was Alabama. able to get, how crazy it was he was able to get 30,000 people from the deep south to come to the rally of a radical right-wing racist bigot. That's just yeah. out. How was Shocker. that? I don't know. I don't know how that Shocker. happened. But uh, he, they say, the first, first sentence of this chapter is, within a week of the Bible Belt rally in Mobile, Trump talked about the Bible on national television, which is news for them. That, that's, yeah. We've talked about how bad they have to work to you know, tie Trump and religion together. He talked about the Bible on television. And I will say, the reason he talked about the Bible on television is because he was asked about the Bible on television. Yeah. He didn't bring it up out of nowhere. Well, he did, but accidentally. 
Well, very, very accidentally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was talking about gay weddings and then yes. he said something about the Bible. Also, this interview, by the way, before we gloss over it, was with noted sexual abuser Mark Halperin. Yep. So, yeah. Just, I mean, just, it still just, happened. I just want to remind people of what Mark Halperin is. No, no, no. Yeah, but yeah just, no, I get it. I, I feel like, you know, Louis C.K. has tried to make a comeback to comedy. We should always see, see him as the man who, like, wanked in front of women without their mm-hmm. consent. So every time Mark Halperin is brought up in my proximity... <laughs> I will I will refer to him exclusively um, as notorious sexual abuser Mark Halperin. NSB? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Uh, but uh, I, you see, I'll, I'm the one who... NSA. I'm Ooh. The, oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm the one who can always say that I didn't think that uh, 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 Louis C.K. was that funny to begin with. So, lucky well, me. Well, I mean, you, you, were, you were in a minority there, I think. Fine. But, I don't like jerk-off. I mean, 90% of his dude, stuff yeah. is, is fucking gross-out jerk-off humor and shit like that. Well, that makes That's sense. That's not my style. Yeah, it makes, it makes very much sense. sense. Anyway, so yes, you were talking about uh, this chapter. Uh, they're, they're, the thing they're starting with is this interview where uh, Mark Halpern and John Heilman asked Trump how he would respond to a gay son, daughter, grandchild, etc., if they asked him about him being against same-sex to wh- marriage, to which his answer was, "Some of my best friends are gay." Like, yeah, no, literally. literally. Yeah. It's like I've been, I've been to gay <laughs> weddings. Like, it, it's no more. The, the answer is no more nuanced than that. He's like, "I've been to yeah. gay, but weddings." And then he says, "I've, I've been against from the standpoint of the Bible, from the standpoint of my teachings, and growing up and going to Sunday school and going to church, and I've been opposed to it." And we'll just see how it all comes up. If I was ever in that position, I'd just have to explain it, which will be a fucking miracle if he ever explains anything <laughs> in his life. This is true. Because he just said five lines of text, and I don't know what his point was. Yes. Uh, as is the case whenever Trump speaks. But how does... And look, whenever we speak, and you know, you have a thought process, and you interrupt yourself, and you rephrase sentences as you go, but nobody speaks as incoherently written yes. down as Donald Trump speaks. Oh, it's the worst, you know, because my thing has always been that the way you speak should be an improved version. Well, I'm sorry, the way you write should be an improved version of the way you speak, right? So yeah. if you already speak quite well and you take the time to formulate your sentences and think a little bit, maybe stretch out your words and don't try and talk so quickly, then things will sound much more coherent, which, which Donald Trump does not have. I am an incredible writer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the accent comes through on the page. Uh, anyways. No, some of the words I use are definitely <laughs> British words, and then yeah. people are like, oh, yes, this man is British. He must know what he's talking about. Also, my uh, name is Benedict, which just like <laughs> gets you credence points. Yeah, it does. But anyway, in that quote you just read, he says, from the standpoint of the Bible, and that is where we get the Bible talk. Because yeah, so Mark that's Halpern, where he brings the Bible up. Yes. That's it. That's all. Yes, when he's trying to build up his credos for being anti-gay marriage. Uh, so that's where Halperin asks him, you've been talking about the Bible, you talked about how it's your favorite book. And no way him, is The no, Art of the Deal no. not his favorite book. The oh, Art no. of the Deal is the only book he's ever read. No way is yeah, any and other I, book I would remind everyone he didn't write it, so he... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but this is where we get what you, you mentioned at the end of this week's regular show, where... Uh, Mark Halpern asked him about his favorite Bible verses, and Trump said, I wouldn't want to get into it because for me, that's very personal. <laughs> and 
And he was repeatedly asked. He was repeatedly asked to tell them some of his favorite Bible verses. Well, and he hold kept on. saying well, no. Well, so, no, no, no. But one second. His, the full quote there, he says, I wouldn't want to get into it because to me that's very personal. You know, when I talk about the Bible, it's very personal. <laughs> so I don't want to get into it. What he did there was took the first sentence that he said and flipped it, flipped the clauses round mm-hmm. so that the second sentence was the same as the first uh-huh. sentence, but in a different order. Yeah. There you go. Re- yep. Rhetoric, ladies and gentlemen. Aristotle would be proud. Oh, Aristotle would be rolling over in his grave. <laughs> but this this gets so bad to the point that, I mean, Heilman and uh, 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 and Halperin probably knew Donald Trump had no fuck. He can't. Yeah, Donald Trump doesn't like, know any I, Bible I, My notes get progressively more like, wait, do the authors not know he he's bullshitting? Like, they don't realize he's never read the Bible. Why don't they realize he's never read the Bible? This is so obvious from everything he said. I know. But no, and my notes on the side of this page, I just have, oh my God, he's turned into Charlie Kelly. He's turned into Charlie Kelly and he's trying to cover the, for the fact that he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, right? This is, all right, we're all going to get to our hot plates soon enough. That's what this is. Yeah, basically. And so, so he gets onto this bit where he says, you know, after that, Trump emailed me and asked me to send him some of my own favorite Bible. He's literally stealing answers. Sent some of my own favorite Bible verses. He also asked me why the Bible is so important to me. Yes. And it's literally yes. like Trump being like, hey, uh, you know, they, they asked me why uh, the Bible is so important to me. And I gave them a very personal answer. But if you could also share your answer <laughs> with me, even though it's maybe personal to you. So, that, you know, I have as many personal experiences as I can possibly have so that I can give it. I mean, not steal answers but you know what i mean uh, it's gonna be beautiful like what the fuck he couldn't couldn't even answer he couldn't even answer for the two interviewers whether he preferred the old testament or the new testament (laughs) well the old testament is very old that it it has that governor but you know i like Uh new i like the new I like the new shiny building. Let's be so. honest. What Donald Trump thought was, I don't like the Old Testament. It's a little bit too Jewy for me. But he couldn't say yeah, that well, to reporters. I mean, uh, yeah. But so it, it's <laughs> such nonsense. Literally emailing the motherfucker and being like, yes. "Hey, give me your Bible verses, bitch." Like, yes. And, and this writer, happening? I'm assuming, I'm assuming this is David here, right? This has got to be David writing this chapter. It has I would to assume be. so. Yeah. 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 Uh, he includes the email he sent back to Donald Trump. He includes, I mean, part of it. I don't know if the whole thing's there. He does put an ellipses in there at one point. So they probably left some out because he was talking about how great Ivanka looked or something. Um, but he put this line in this in this email, and it says, quote, I commit to praying for you during this campaign. It won't be prayers for political victory. God has that covered. But rather that you stay healthy and full of endurance, integrity, Wild. and patience through what promises to be a presidential race for the ages. It is David. It is David. He included the by, the byline yeah, on the yeah, bottom of the email. David. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Wild. Uh, <laughs> yes. And he felt like he had to clarify in the next paragraph by saying, quote, One final note of clarity for the reader. Trump understood what I meant about my line, God has that covered. I didn't mean that God was going to give Trump the victory. What I meant about God is that he is sovereign and free to shape the world and orchestrate human affairs in whatever way he sees fit. And I just have to say, no, Donald Trump fucking thought you meant God was going to make sure he won. Yes, but also, like, if that's true, why does anyone bother praying? Like, God will, <laughs> basically what he true. just said is God will do what the fuck he wants. Hard determinism, So why does anyone care? Like, yeah, why, why literally, like, just go about your daily life. Like, who gives a mm-hmm. shit? Yeah. Free will's an illusion. Aaron's right. <laughs> so, 
We move. He throws in a little uh, something from the the book of Daniel about uh, Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know, saying uh, I can't do anything. It's all about God. Uh, but beyond that, we move down to the next paragraph, where they start talking about Donald Trump's next rally or another rally in Dallas in September. And this apparently is where he met Pastor Robert Jeffress for the first time, who you may mm. recall said that you can't get to heaven by being a Jew. Uh, That's for the true, record, you, you can't get to heaven by not being a Jew either. Uh, you just can't get to heaven. heaven. Yeah, exactly. This is hell world, and yeah. we're all going to die here mm-hmm. and burn forever. Exactly. Uh, but so this whole the whole point of this was to say that Donald Trump has met Robert Jeffress, um, who would later give the the yeah. what is it the dedication at the Jerusalem Embassy, of course. He did. He did. Uh, and they say, him, yeah. he, they say here that they say here notorious anti-Semite mm-hmm, Robert Jeffress that he preached a private sermon to him on inauguration morning, which I will tell you what that means is that he got five minutes in a room with Donald Trump and then came out and told everybody that he preached a sermon yeah. to Donald Trump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, the better part of this is a line from Donald Trump about the rally, which I loved, where he said, quote, and this is, look, the only thing Donald Trump can talk about is fucking crowd sizes and how popular he is and how everybody loves him and how much he loves two Corinthians. But the quote we get right here from Donald Trump is, quote, we filled up a whole basketball stadium. It was a love fest. A lot of evangelicals, tea party people. An evangelical Hispanic, orgy, if you will. Hispanics, everybody was there. And the Hispanics line is how you know he was full of shit. How close there were, was he to, to using a slur there? <laughs> there yeah, were three Hispanics at Donald Trump's rally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so moving on beyond that, we're, this is a very short chapter. We're almost done with it. We've just got a few pages left to go. Uh, and dumb. one of the it's things they yeah one of the things they spend the rest of this chapter talking a lot about is the next interview, uh, which actually this was the day after that rally that David got to interview Trump at his golf course in Palos Verdes, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently they did a long interview, and he, according to David, the only thing that anyone picked up on because of course it's the CBN, it's a fluff piece. You're yeah. not a real journalist, David. Yeah. No, uh, you're not. You ask about the Bible. You ask about the Bible. Very important question. Like, that fucking matters. Very very important question. I know. Uh, But so the only thing that got picked up, apparently, by the national media is them talking to Donald Trump about the Bible. And David asked why he says the Bible is the best book. And this is another point where Donald Trump got some Bible stuff wrong, uh, where apparently he cited a non-existent chapter in Proverbs. He said, quote, Proverbs, the chapter, never bend to envy. I've had that thing all of my life where people are bending to envy. I don't know what that thing is. It might be mm-hmm. some new STD I've never heard of, like the clap, but it makes you bend in a weird way. <laughs> uh, it, we, know, we do know Donald Trump bends to envy. We know that. That's that's true, that yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. interesting sexual position. Sounds like, it sounds like a porn star name. Ooh, Maybe he had an affair with Bendy Envy? envy? Bendy Envy. Not Bendy ah, Envy, just envy, yeah. envy as a name. Oh, Envy. Oh, that's definitely a porn star name. For sure. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, Looking 100%. at Pornhub. Yes, it's a porn star name. Envy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so this is what gets picked up by the national media who make fun of Donald Trump for not knowing the Bible, as we know he doesn't. And David throws in this line, which I also was blown away by, which he says, quote, What I found most interesting is that Trump still had no desire to take the easy road and simply memorize a couple of Bible verses for the next go-around with the favorite verse line of questioning. 
David. Yeah, I mean, David, he doesn't buddy, give da- a shit. No, 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 David. But David, he, come, he come close for a, a moment. Come close for a moment, David. I, I want to help you out here because I feel like we've been working around this for a while now, and I just, I really want to get this through to you. So, David, <laughs> put your ear right up to the microphone, right up to the, the, the speaker, and crank the volume all the way to 11. And let me tell you, David, he's never read the Bible! Just I so you know. I know that's going to clip like that a motherfucker. Because, that is going to clip yeah. very bad uh, when it comes through on the recording. I'm a, I'm sorry for everyone. Your ears <laughs> might be bleeding right now, but I had to get that through to David. Yeah. It, it's wild as well because, like, it seems like he rec- – so, like, he, he says he concludes the piece later on in the chapter saying uh, – He's, th- he says he concluded the matter with these words. So he this, says, this is an article this that is David wrote. So this is how he concluded it after yeah, writing so about how Donald it, Trump got it wrong. Exactly. So he says, look, folks, Donald Trump is not Pastor Trump. He's not Mike Huckabee and he doesn't pretend to be. It will be up to evangelical voters in Iowa, South Carolina and those crucial SEC primaries to sort through all of this. I do think it's important for evangelicals to have a candidate rooted in their Christian faith. To what degree? I guess we will find out. Hey, look. Who writes hey, look in print? You fucking weirdo. <laughs> With a hey, semicolon. Look. Semicolon. Mitt Romney was a Mormon. Mormon. <laughs> Mormon. Mormon. More man. More man for all of us. <laughs> Mitt, Mitt Romney was a Mormon, and plenty of evangelicals voted for him over some of the more evangelical-type candidates in 2012. It's not like the most evangelical guy wins. And it's just like, yes! Yes, you get it! They're cynical motherfuckers! They don't care! They don't give a shit what religion you are. As long as you say you'll be conservative. Like, they're, they're, they're the religious right, but the first and foremost, they're the right. Like, it's not... The religion doesn't matter a jot to them as long as you pay lip service. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing that we end this with is Donald Trump going to the Value Voters Summit, which is a, a FRC thing. It's a hate group. Again, this guy loves hate groups. Um, and that the focus is on how Donald Trump just said he was going to bring Christmas back, right? So the, the quote that Donald Trump said was, the word Christmas, I love Christmas. You go to stores now, you don't see the word Christmas. It says happy holidays all over. I say, where's Christmas? I tell my wife, don't go to the stores, I want to see Christmas. Like that what? fucking matters, right? <laughs> By the way, is Christmas yes. back? Is Christmas back? I might have missed it. Christmas is back, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it really <laughs> that, that's it that's really it yep. he ended he yeah. ended the value voter summit with only five percent of the straw poll there and that was it uh yeah so ted yeah. cruz had 37 percent. ted cruz who for all his faults like a li- like okay this isn't a good thing to me obviously but at least he's a fucking christian and like <laughs> professes that shit <laughs> like why like how evangelicals were like yeah let's go with the trump guy and have any shred of like dignity left they should never be allowed to go outside without so being any... like you this guy really this guy this is the guy this one <laughs> this motherfucker yeah that's how i w- just end the episode there Fuck i that. get it i get it anyways that is it for this week's patron only bonus episode we thank you as always for being our wonderful patrons My name is Kevin, and as you hear, Benedict is not here with me right now. He had to take off and go on uh, some business, go down to Texas, so we don't know if he'll survive that trip. We'll see if he gets back or not. But joining me to bust through some more of this terrible book we have spent months on now is Morgan Stringer of the Buy Skeptical podcast. Morgan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. 
How are you today? How you? I always ask Benedict how he's doing. So I feel like when somebody else, it's not him. I still have to ask how your day is. I mean, it's okay. Nothing exciting. It's <laughs> been kind of a boring day. Just work and reading this book. And I know. Making sure I my know. Notes in order. <laughs> Everyone always feels bad after they get done reading this book. It was enjoyable in a very twisted way, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely sympathize with that. So, uh, before we get into that, though, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your other shows? Okay, so I am on Beyond the Trailer Park, and that is every Monday. It's live on YouTube at 6.30 p.m. Central. And so you can watch the show live on YouTube or Spreaker Live. And if you can't make it live, then we do have the show available on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. And that's more of a... Um, we. Our cult episodes are always really fun, so we're trying to do some more of those. Um, people really like our episodes we do on cults. And also, I do the Bi-Skeptical podcast with Tris Mamone, and me and them, we just kind of do news roundups. Occasionally, we would do deep dives, but since, you know, Trump's in the White House, we do more <laughs> um, news roundups and things of that nature, and, you know, talking about everything from things happening in the law to, you know crazy stuff people say to, you know, um, we've done a couple of episodes on Gwyneth Paltrow and her nonsense at Goop because good Lord, she's a mess. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so we just have fun and do that. And, um, it's just more of a therapeutic podcast than anything where you can just listen to two people yell about <laughs> everything. And yeah, sounds very familiar. Sounds very familiar to me. Yeah, I know very... how that goes. It's very similar to um, your format as of now. We just do. Um, we used to do more deep dives, but yeah, now it's yep. just been me screaming. I think we all live for the day when Donald Trump is no longer in office, and we can talk about something else for once. I'm like, I'm, I'm, with, I'm like, what did we talk about? What did I do? <laughs> like, how did I spend my time? Was I on Twitter this much? I don't think I was oh, on Twitter this God. much. Oh. I know. I know. It's the life we live now. It is the life we live. But speaking of talking about Donald Trump. Why don't we get into our book, The Faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography, with chapter 16. We are halfway through this book now. I'm so happy. We're officially halfway through the book. There are 30 chapters. We're on 16. This one is titled, Pentecostals, Prayer, and Dinner at the Polo. And uh, my alternative chapter title for this one was, Christian Glory Holes Seem a Lot Less Fun. Because that's, we essentially get a description of what should be a sex party at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, that's the first thing they start off talking about. Yeah, so I have a couple of them. Um, for <laughs> I had many. I was just like letting my creativity go wild mm -hmm. for this one. So <laughs> I've got several. I've got Puritans, a pussy grabber, and pretentious pricks. <laughs> a conga line of evangelicals and body oil. <laughs> Oprah would never even breathe in our direction, but don't let that get in the way of a narrative. <laughs> the one where I named random celebrities from that celebrity pass list that my wife made in 1997. <laughs> Trump tries to sleep with my wife, but I play it off as him being nice. <laughs> where we pray for Trump to have a Vivica A. Fox type magical black lady or a wise Morgan Freeman type in his life. Oh, I've got... Oh my God. Throwing away principles I pretended to have to own the libs. 
and the one where I brag about going to an overrated fancy restaurant. <laughs> wow, you really took the whole alternative chapter title thing to heart, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I was just like, what is happening? Because I don't know if you know any. So at the beginning, I did. I was like, are they about to start? So opening line. So oh, it said. This is some eyed wide shut type shit right here at the beginning. It, oh, it is. So opening line, they, they say that a tall man with orange blonde hair, but I was I thought they were literally going to say orange skin. So that kind of <laughs> took me for a wild ride. I was like, oh, my God, are we going to say his orange skin in his own book? And then my brain was like, nope. <laughs> so that was an emotional roller coaster. But yeah, and I think I may have misread it. But when they mentioned like putting hands on shoulders in front of them, I was like, are they doing a conga line? And then they started touching heads and chests. And I was like, okay, now are they doing the Macarena? Are they like at a very white wedding? Like what, what's happening here? And then they start talking about like anointing. And I'm like, ugh, because I'm imagining them pouring oil and like everybody's all slick. And <laughs> Look, some of us have been to those ugh. kind of parties, but they usually turn out differently when I'm there. Uh, so yes, what you're describing is the beginning of this chapter. They're saying, imagine a group of men and women in dress clothes standing together around one central figure. And they talk, you know, uh, one of them puts their hand in the air and one hand on the person in front of them. And those at the centers of the ring put their hands directly on the tall man. And it is this weird, weird, somewhat sensual description of, uh, I guess this is the prayer meeting we all saw the picture of where they're putting their hands on Donald Trump. Or maybe this is not that exact one because the one we all know of is the one in the Oval Office. But this is a different one that apparently happened while he was on the campaign trail. And uh, they then asked the question after this, this description of it, uh, who are these people and what is going on? And they answer themselves by saying, if you thought some folks are having a prayer meeting, then you might be a Christian or even an evangelical. If you thought some folks are laying hands on that man and praying for his special anointing, then you might be a charismatic or Pentecostal Christian. And if you thought these people are all about to start fucking, then you're me. But they didn't put, include that part. That was that was a special edition by myself there. So, yes, what we're getting is a description of Donald Trump being anointed, I guess, by a bunch of crazy Christians. Uh, and they can't even... And we've talked about this a lot in the book, and you haven't been here for a lot of these chapters, but... They constantly have to try to find a way to shoehorn Donald Trump into Christianity, right? Because they have talked so much about the many times Donald Trump has admitted he knows nothing about Christianity. When he has screwed—and they do that in one of these chapters we're going to go through today. Uh, and so they try and find a way to still say, yeah, he's kind of a Christian. Kind of. So Donald Trump being in a room and having people pray for him, I guess, is, is the proof they're trying to provide that he is a Christian. Yeah, and scare of a demons away or whatever else mm -hmm. they're doing, which I don't really mention that. They more focus on like the anointing thing, but yeah. And then what struck me was in there, um, there some of them are giving him advice and are saying, "Oh, this isn't a Trump pep rally," but it's like they're laying hands and saying he's anointed like a freaking king. <laughs> How is that not a pep rally for this guy? And he just. And the book says that he responds that he's a counterpuncher, but the book also <laughs> says he sits there and quietly listens. And I'm like, which yeah. one is it? Is he making up excuses for his behavior, or is he sitting there and <laughs> nodding like he's some kind of wise king? Yes, when the ministers <laughs> asked Trump to tone down some of his harsh rhetoric, he said he's a counterpuncher that doesn't hit first. And to me, that just, oh yeah, like those Mexicans you called a bunch of rapists at the beginning of your campaign before anybody ever said anything about you. That was a counterpuncher. Punch I get. Ah, oh, God, this guy. Mexico was very unfair. 
Max goes, it's very unfair, you know, they've been very unfair with us with trade. That's why we have all the money and they have none. It's because they've been so unfair. That's why we have all the money. Uh, so they, they tr- go on through this. And of course, even though Donald Trump is in front of a Christian audience for this thing, it's a bunch of religious leaders he's with. Primarily, he still talks about political issues. And he, of course, throws some red meat out there to the evangelicals. And uh, I'm assuming this must be, as we've talked about, the, the first half of this book, I think, was primarily um, Scott Lamb. And this second half, where we're talking about the campaign, is primarily David Brody, who is the, well, he's not a reporter, but he's more of a reporter than Scott Lamb. Uh, And so he says that as for faith issues, he talked about how religious liberty and Christianity is under attack in America, and that there is a lot of religious intolerance for Christianity in today's society. Which, look, we've talked about this a billion times, no, the majority of the country is Christian. We just don't want them forcing this on us. But uh, they see that as intolerance for Christianity. We all know this. The other part of this that we get into is, uh, and we're going to get this more in the next chapter, which is better, is they start to try and deal with Donald Trump's racist issues. Uh, so they talk about how there was a bunch of African-American pastors at this event. And Donald Trump, they just throw this line out there, which I, it caught my eye. Uh, and the African-American pastors mention, mentioned the detachment between him and the black community. And they say, while citing some polls to the contrary, uh, Scott said Trump agreed with the overall assessment and would try to do a better job. So Donald Trump, in that one sentence, disagrees that black people don't like him and then agrees and says he'll do a better job with it, which is classic Trump, just classic Trump. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it is. It's like, um, oh, no, it's not my fault. But then, yeah, I'm going to do what you say because, it, you know, it's telling people what they want to hear, which I think mm-hmm. he's very much figured that out. I mean, look at any Trump rally and he, you know, he still leads lock her up chants. And I'm like, everybody who has led a lock her up chant has gone to prison. <laughs> like, I'm scared to even say it ironically because I'm afraid Bob Mueller is going to be like peeking through my window blinds. Like <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And the last thing we get in this bit about the uh, the whole meeting with faith leaders is apparently one preacher named Kenneth Copeland uh, prayed for God to, quote, give this man your wisdom and to make sure and certain that he hears uh, manifest yourself to him, uh, which I, I just, I always point these things out because manifest yourself to him has such a strong homoerotic undertone to it. It really does. And they never, for such for people who are so homophobic, they never realize that these things they say have those undertones. Um, but the rest of this chapter, the entirety of the rest of this chapter, is a story of David Brody having dinner with Donald Trump. That's, that's the rest, right? There's nothing else this, in here. I love this. I love this part, though, so much. I love this part i was dying because first of all i had no idea that ralph lauren owned a restaurant and then i don't know how familiar you are with this restaurant but i looked it up and so oh, you did yes i did i did a lot of in-depth research <laughs> <laughs> oh i love not having a full-time job it's great mm-hmm. but um yeah so i was looking it up and it turns out that at this restaurant, they have, it's like a month long to get on the list to get into this restaurant. And it's like oh, wow. very VIP to just like walk in. You have to like be on the list. But the way it's described, it's like 
a real housewives reject like it's a lot of that but then there are some people some famous people who have gone eaten there like tom hanks i think went there like one time and you know some other people but yeah and Mm. they also apparently this guy was trying to get in there and all he wanted was a drink at the bar like that's all he wanted and the whole bar was empty but the hostess woman was like no you can't come in here because you have to be on the reservations because this polo club tries to make an appearance that oh it's very in high demand and it's very exclusive so that way people will want to go there more Oh, good God. That so, is just ridiculous. Yeah, even the most, like, we're backed up for, like, six months restaurant, like, they'll even let you come in and, like, have a cocktail at the bar if nobody's yeah. there. Like, they're not going to turn down your $20 for your vodka rocks. Yeah, I it's know. it's insane. So, yeah, it's very, it's very Trump-like in that, like, mm-hmm. let's make this look exclusive. Let's make this look as fancy as possible. Let's try to get as many celebrities shoehorned in this place. And it's it's a mess. <laughs> So anyway, this story that we get is from David Brody because apparently Donald Trump asked him and his wife out to dinner, and he writes about that, quote, A few weeks earlier, I had received word from one of his high-ranking associates that Mr. and Mrs. Trump would like to have dinner with us. It made sense. I was on national television analyzing the presidential candidates and their chances with evangelicals. And I just want to say, David, you are on national television in the same way that the sham wow guy is on national television, okay? You're on the Christian Broadcasting Network. You, the only people who see you accidentally left their TV on on scan and it got stuck on that channel, okay? You're on CBN, David. I just want to point that out to you. Uh, But so we all know why Donald Trump did make this date. It was to pander to evangelicals, something Donald Trump did the entirety of his campaign. But apparently David, David, this entire book, he seems so self-unaware. The last chapters we did last week, Donald Trump did a, a interview immediately before emailing David, asking about his favorite Bible verses, where Donald Trump had been asked about his favorite Bible verses and refused to respond, and then sent David an email asking for his favorite Bible verses. And David is so unself-aware, he can't realize what's going on here. And it drives me insane. So what we get in the rest of this chapter is a list of every famous celebrity uh, that David could think of while he was writing these two pages. Uh, That's like George Lucas, uh, Michael Caine, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Michael J. Fox, and all of these people... Uh, some of whom vehemently despised Donald Trump, apparently came over to his table at this restaurant in the midst of the campaign, where he's becoming the most reviled person in the United States, to pay homage to the great Donald Trump and say hello. Yeah, so also this this struck me as weird because um, I guess the author, I'm assuming is David, was um, saying, oh, Trump is being nice when he opened up with, how's your marriage? <laughs> And I heard a, I don't know how true this is, but I have heard that Trump would ask that question to people, like couples, and then he would, like, try and, like, fuck their wives, like, just to be like, I can do that, because, yeah, and I was like, dude, like, I think he's trying to fuck your wife, I don't think he's trying to be nice, like, what what are you doing? It's another example of David not realizing what's happening, it's so great. it really is. And he's like, oh, this is a Christian girl. I'm on, like, whatever. And, yeah, it's so gross. And I'm just like, oh, the subtext is just making my skin crawl. But, yeah, and there's also this double standard. First of all, I don't know if he 
um, he lists like all the late 80s, early 90s A plus names he can think mm-hmm. of, which is very mm-hmm. weird. And, and it betrays this double standard that they have because they talk about how like evil Hollywood is and how they're the coastal elite. But at the same time, he brags about every single detail about this fancy restaurant he goes to, every famous person he sees, you know, the brass detailing and the wood paneling and all this <laughs> stuff and it, how exclusive this place is. And it only seats 100 and all this stuff. And it's just... It's like you're such a yeah. hypocrite. Like you, well, it's you, because deep down they wish they had the celebrities on their side. Yeah, they, they really did. do. They're all failed comedians or failed <laughs> actors. Well, but the other thing that are. stuck out to me was that he lists Andrew Lloyd Webber in this, and yeah. the uh, the people reading David's book do not know who the fuck Andrew Lloyd Webber is. They've never seen Phantom of the Opera. They have no clue. Well, Phantom maybe they've heard one or two of the songs, but they've never seen it. Okay, because Phantom of the Opera doesn't come to Mobile, Alabama. Not even the touring production. Uh, but the last, the, the end of this chapter is the best because we get, we get the, we get the black friend. We get the Donald Trump has a black friend moment. Um, even though we know this is someone who does not like Donald Trump, David throws in here that Donald Trump says to him, guess who's behind you right now? And that's, that's always a scary thing to hear from Donald Trump, I imagine. Guess who's behind you? Uh, but, Guess who it is? It's Oprah! Magical black lady that they yes, played magical for! magical black lady! And the, the two sentences that David quotes in here are Donald Trump saying to Oprah, Oprah, can you believe I'm having dinner with the Christian Broadcasting Network? And Oprah saying, never in a million years, Donald. As though that's some sort of glowing review of Donald Trump in their eyes? I don't get that. I don't get why you included that in your book. What that is, is that is because Oprah is from Oprah is actually a fellow Mississippian. And that is some classic Mississippi shade. It's just like never in a million years, (laughs) sweet smile. And also that sounds like one of those stories where at the end of it, I I feel like saying, oh, yeah, I was there. I was the wood paneling. That totally happened. (laughs) Like, you know, Oprah would not even breathe. In these mm-hmm. people's direction. Like, yeah. she wouldn't even look at them or notice them. It's just she's so above them. And, yeah, but if she was, and, yeah, that was throwing shade. And, again, this guy is so clueless. He doesn't get that Trump wants to fuck his wife and Oprah's, like, kind of being a little bitchy. And I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, he's just so clueless. Completely clueless. But that is the end of Chapter 16. So let's move on to 17, which is titled Mr. Cyrus Meets Wrecking Ball. Uh, which I just put the Miley Cyrus mixtape because I think we we talk about Lance Wall now in this chapter. I think he he says he heard these words from God. I seriously think he was just listening to Miley, Cy- Miley Cyrus uh, and didn't realize he had his headphones in. That's what I think happened. Oh yeah, I've got um, misleading people into thinking Billy Ray Cyrus or Miley Cyrus <laughs> will make an appearance. I've also got <laughs> Trump came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> I've got also those meddlesome blacks. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Okay, because this is the chapter where we get the list of all of Donald Trump's black friends. The the two of, I think there's two. Are there two black friends? I'm pretty sure. Uh, But this starts off with uh, Lance Wall now, who I don't know if uh, our listeners are aware of, but he's just your average right-wing hack evangelical. And he says this sentence, which is so weird to me, Nothing evokes evokes a stronger image of a lunatic fringe Christian than calling someone a Dallas evangelist. 
When journalists want to nail me, that's what they call me. Dallas evangelist. And Lance, no. No, we call you a fucking idiot. We don't call you a Dallas evangelist. I've that's what you want that. us to call you. That, see, that, that's the thing where people try and make someone call them. So, you know, they try and create that label for themselves. That's what he's trying to do there. He's trying to, like, make his own nickname, and everybody's exactly. like, that's not a thing. Because I was like, I've heard of every Southern saying in my life, and I have never heard that. And if anybody would have heard that, I would have. And I'm like, I think he's trying to make something happen, but I'm not sure. And everybody's just like, it's like that scene from Mean Girls. Stop trying to yeah, make Fetch happen. Yeah, stop trying to make Fetch happen. <laughs> you stole my joke before I could get it. Damn it. That hurt my feelings. That hurt my feelings. I wanted to say it. Uh, But so what they do in this chapter is first they try and play Wallnow off as some sort of prophet uh, because they even use the word. They say Wallnow prophesized publicly and correctly during the pre-primary days that Donald Trump would be the next president. And I want to say I'm sure there were plenty of people prophesizing that Ted Cruz or any number of the Republican candidates would end up being president, but we don't hear about the ones that were wrong. Uh, Weird how that works. Also, he went to a Trump. He went to Trump Tower for a meeting. Mm-hmm. So I was like, was that a revelation from God or a revelation from a Russian or is God a Russian? <laughs> like, would, was like because apparently everybody was at that meeting. I'm like starting mm-hmm. to think that was I at that meeting? Oh, <laughs> uh, see, me and Benedict, we have a theory uh, that at the end of all this, the last thing we're going to find out at the end of Sasha Baron Cohen's show, we're going to find out that he was Natalia Veselnitskaya the whole time. Oh my god. How I would amazing love would that. that be? Oh, it would it'd be that. so good. But so we get here, uh, apparently, Wallnow said that he heard the word of the Lord coming to him. And he, he literally means that he thinks he heard God speaking into his ears. And he said he heard these words exactly quote, Donald Trump is a wrecking ball to the spirit of political correctness. Which is, A, such a dumb fucking thing to want, which we know it's what they want. They want to destroy whatever their view of political correctness is, which if I had to define political correctness, I would just say it's don't be an asshole. That's, that's about as, as best I can define political correctness to everybody. That's how I try to define it to my parents when they ask. Um, but so we know that's what they want, and I, I think that's so perfect to just show the type of person they want. And I think more, you know, while now he says it was a prophecy, we know he's full of shit. But I think maybe the reason he thought Donald Trump would win is because he could see that at the time, America, or a significant portion of America, wanted a brazen asshole like Donald Trump, which I think a lot of us overlooked because we didn't think there was that many people that wanted that. But Wallnow's tapped in to the evangelicals, which are those type of people. Yeah, it was when I w- when I saw that I was like the god of the universe <laughs> spoke to you and what he said was Donald Trump is a mm-hmm. wrecking ball of political correctness. Yeah. Just and then also the fact that you know I I I hear people be like oh the lord spoke to me but they mean that like metaphorically like yes. something they were reading hit home or something but this man No, like, he means it I, literally. Yeah, if I said something like I heard a voice that said Donald Trump, and it was like, my dog told me that. They would lock me up in a loony <laughs> bin. Like, it, it's it's insane. But no, when he does it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. And apparently God hates it when we treat marginalized communities with decency and respect. Yes. That's and what he's worried about. Here's where we get into the part of the chapter that is all about those marginalized communities in such a great way. We start off here talking about, they introduced the idea that there were many ugly altercations at Trump rallies, 
as protesters, and they say, often from the Black Lives Matter movement. And Ooh, there it is. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, during the campaign, I don't remember any Black Lives Matter people protesting at Trump rallies. It was mainly pasty white people from the East or West Coast that I saw going to Trump rallies and protesting. But they introduced to us Daryl Scott who you may remember because I believe uh, he was featured on uh, a Last Week Tonight uh, story that they did, where he was doing some sort of, he did some sort of video saying, you know, it was Dinesh D'Souza boilerplate nonsense. The Democrats were the Klan and slavery and blah, 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 so vote Republican. He's that kind of guy. And he is one of the few African-American pastors who actually supported Donald Trump. So apparently Daryl Scott held some sort of summit with a bunch of African-American leaders, and Lance Wall now, even though he's a white guy, was invited for some reason. So we get the story of Lance Wall now, I don't know why they wasted a half a page on this, of Wall now deciding whether or not he's going to go to this summit. We didn't need that part, just say he went. But anyway, he decided to go, and we hear of him telling at this summit the story of another thing that apparently God said to him, where God, again, literally spoke into his ear and told him that, quote, the next president of the United States will be the 45th president, which uh, anyone could have told him. It didn't need to be God to tell him that. And he will be an Isaiah 45 president. And so apparently he didn't know what that was about, so he opened his Bible up. And apparently Isaiah 45 says, quote, Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, who I've anointed. Which seems short for a Bible passage to me. But apparently Cyrus was some, un, some amoral guy who God deemed to be the leader of the Israelites or something like that. And from this, Lance Wall now took that all to mean that Donald Trump would be the 45th president he would be a wrecking ball, and he's going to be an amoral asshole, I guess. That, we, we don't get any more analysis than that. Yeah, I can come up with numbers and correspond them to random books of a Bible, too. That's certainly <laughs> something. And also, I don't believe that he didn't know what that verse said. Mm -hmm. Like, wasn't he like a preacher? I don't, know, -preacher? I don't know what... Wall now, he, I guess he's a former preacher who was running some sort of bullshit think tank. That's yeah. basically what he was doing. So, yeah, I don't believe for a second he didn't do that, because what if it had been another verse that was, there's one verse that's like, and the earth swallowed him whole, and it's like, oops, my bad, yeah, that'd be an awkward meeting. So, yeah, like, I don't believe yes. that for a second. Again, it's like, I was there and the walls clapped. But, mm -hmm. again, just showing how gullible these people are. And, I know. And yeah, it's it's like I quickly made up something so I could explain our support for a clearly immoral man who has no idea what being a Christian even is. But here we go. Well, to be Again, honest, that's what this book is about. That's what we've talked about this, but the, the book ostensibly is about proving Donald Trump is a Christian, right? That's what they seem to be trying to say they're doing. But the reality is that this book is actually about justifying the evangelical support for a guy who is not only amoral in any sort of standard morality out there in the world, but amoral in this, certainly in the sense that evangelicals would want, right? He's, he in no way matches up with their purported sense of morality. He, the guys had, had three divorces, for Christ's sake. And if they want to live by what's in their book, I've got a bag of rocks they can take over to the White House. So we move on to now we go to the actual event with uh, all the African-American leaders in Trump Tower. 
And this apparently is uh, where we get some, I don't know, I don't know what this is, but they say, quote, the African-American community is locked up for the Democratic Party. So you're struggling to find the objectivity, (laughs) which, oh, I love that because that is honestly what they think, that it's not because Democrats have, you know, reached out to the African-American community and tried to support them. It's just that they're locked up. It's it's this Dinesh D'Souza bullshit. It's where they get this. I'm 90 percent sure. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of money in being a minority and supporting that narrative. Like, they will literally show up with a jump truck full of money and pour mm-hmm. it into your house. I mean, Candace right. Owens is on that same bullshit. Yeah, they're all welfare queens, right? Yeah. And they also, this betrays her belief that they believe that only white men are purely objective <laughs> and reasonable and everybody else is brainwashed and hysterical. Like, oh, yeah. I know some, pe- I know some people, uh, I, I'll, I'll talk to Thomas Smith for you. We'll, we'll introduce you to some people. Um, <laughs> So we get the story of Donald Trump entering this room full of all the African-American leaders, and he says this, and I don't know why David put this in here again, which is, quote, he came into the room carrying the Bible that we talked about before in this book that his mother gave him, and he says, quote, most of the time I bring this Bible as a prop when I'm sharing about my mother and my faith. In this case, I'm simply holding it for protection. And he, so he admits there that his Bible is a fucking prop. <laughs> That's amazing. He's never fucking read it. He's never fucking read that Bible. But we also get here Donald Trump, uh, they say explaining, I say uh, lying about, people being planted at his rallies and being paid to be disruptive. This is, of course, all the African-American pastors complaining about people being beaten up at Donald Trump's rallies, uh, which, interestingly enough, a a judge just dismissed a case about that the other day. Um, But so... We don't get a whole lot in the rest of the, I don't want to say, we don't get a whole lot in the rest of this chapter. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's Wall now giving his story about the apparent God talking to him, to this group. We don't even get a reaction from the pastors. They David does not include whatever the people in that room reacted with to that. We're just supposed to infer that I guess they were amazed by it. And this they do put in this line, which is fantastic, which is, and all the racial tensions were just like a balloon out of the window, which bull fucking shit. Bullshit did Lance Wallnow's little story about Isaiah 45 and the wrecking ball just eliminate all the racial tension in the room. Bullshit. We solved racism. Yes, we solved ra- a white a guy solved ball. racism. A white guy solved racism because of course that's who's going to solve racism. Oh god. So the end of this chapter, uh, th- there's not a whole lot else. It's really just more of that stupid meeting. They call him the Cyrus guy. Uh, and they say that Trump doesn't have any of the nomenclature down. Uh, and so Donald Trump, when he heard this story, didn't know how to respond. He didn't have a, he couldn't even say, wow, that's, that makes me feel really great. He had to be awkward about it. I don't know. But we need to move on because we are running a little long. So on chapter 18, and this this is where it gets, I think this is my favorite one of the three that we did today. This is titled, Three Wings, Two Corinthians, and February 1st. And my alternative chapter title was, Three Wings, Two Thighs, and One Dozen Biscuits, Please, Hashtag Team Cholesterol. Because uh, that's what we are all on. We are all on Team Cholesterol. Mine were, Three Russians, Two Dumb Sons, and One Special Prosecutor. Wait, wrong book. <laughs> and then and a also, partridge in a pear tree. I've got, But Her Photos, and <laughs> I mislead the dear reader into thinking about delicious chicken wings, but I never yes. deliver. Yes, yes. 
Uh, so we start off in the beginning of this with uh, David writing about how political campaigns will use guilt by association, which is normal. We are all familiar with that, I think. Uh, so they talk about, you know, anyone finding a picture of uh, someone standing next to anyone who's gone down in the Me Too movement, right? We've seen that with a number of people. It's because politicians stand next to people for photo ops. So you can find plenty of pictures of politicians standing next to Louis C.K. or any number of various people who have been taken down by Me Too. Uh, and then they, in one paragraph, sort of seem to try and brush away all of the endorsements that Donald Trump didn't want, the David Dukes of the world, and all of that sort of stuff. But they never name it. They just say unfavorable nope. endorsements. Yes, because they don't want to put that down on paper. They don't want to actually remind their reader of who those people are, the Nazis and the Klansmen, all the terrible people who have endorsed Donald Trump. So on the next page, we get a reminder of Bill Clinton we get a reminder of uh, – and the real reason they're leading into this, actually, is because of some ir absolutely irrelevant thing that happened with Marco Rubio, right? This has nothing to do with Donald Trump, I think. that This is something they, – they talk about this video that Marco Rubio put out, his campaign put out, talking about his Christian faith. And they say that this video, which they're going to claim backfired, went viral. Now, I went looking for this video. And usually when a video goes viral, it's very easy to find. Now, I searched on YouTube. I searched several different ways. Rubio faith video, Rubio Christian faith, Marco Rubio Christianity, Marco Rubio campaign video Christian. And the top video I could find had 71,000 views. There are Domino's pizza folding, box folding training videos with more views than that. That is not viral. That is pathetic. It's viral to him. Again, oh. he just knows nothing about the world. And well, This is what happens. When you're on the Christian Broadcasting Network, your expectations are a little lower, I think. I went viral. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I got 15 likes, and one of them was my grandson. That's viral, right? Uh, so this video that is supposedly so scandalous uh, is where... Uh, well, the, the reaction to this was it was actually an email that went out along with it where an individual who I've never heard of named Russell Moore uh, said that Ted Cruz is leading the Jerry Falwell wing, Marco Rubio is leading the Billy Graham wing, and Trump is leading the Jimmy Swaggart wing. And uh, Jimmy Swaggart, of course, you should know as a guy who was disgraced in a series of uh, prostitution scandals, uh, although he was a Christian. Uh, and uh, they, they do say this line that does annoy me, and they say, And the late Falwell, though free from taint of scandal, was a polarizing figure as a leader in 30 years of culture wars. And I'd want to say he did start his school as a segregationist school. Uh, that's not exactly free from taint of scandal when you support segregation. Just my opinion. Just one guy's opinion. Yeah, that was wild to me. And then also, like, the flowery language they do of Falwell. I'm like, it's mm -hmm. almost like he wants to sleep with him or something. Again, it's like, God, you're so thirsty. Because they're like, oh, he, um, because the way Falwell talks about Trump is he reminds me of a traveling Baptist tent preacher that has slicked back hair, who also sells used Ford pickup trucks that definitely have more mileage than he claims they do. But they're trying to make him sound like this Atticus Finch Southern lawyer figure. Mm -hmm. I went to the University of Virginia and it's like, all right, I went to the University of Mississippi. What, what the hell does that mean? I mean, they're both fine schools. They're both fine schools. I Like... I'm not going to be a dick and point out that I go to better law school than both of you. 
I'm not going to be an less. asshole about it. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> That's why I went there. Can't argue with that one. Oh, my student loans. They hurt people. They really hurt. Uh, but so we are still we leading up to the Iowa polls. This is these first couple chapters here. They are all leading up to uh, the Iowa caucuses. And so this actually, I believe in this chapter, we get the Iowa caucuses finally. Uh, and so they talk about Cruz leading in the Iowa polls and Rubio gaining momentum. Donald Trump decided to go to Lynchburg, Virginia, to speak to 15,000 students at Liberty University's convocation. That's where you're talking about Jerry Falwell comes in. Uh, and Jerry Falwell Jr. is the one that is still alive, and he runs the school now. But, of course, his father uh, was the racist one who was a segregationist. But, you know, like father, like son, I think we could pretty much assume. Uh, and so they had Donald Trump here to speak to Liberty University students, he talked, of course, as he does, mainly about politics and just – we all know how Donald Trump talks at this point. It just throw out a bunch of Donald Trump talking points and you have a speech. You know exactly what he said. Even if you didn't hear that speech, you know exactly what Donald Trump said. Build the wall, immigrants, taxes, trade, blah, 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 pandering to evangelicals. There's his whole speech. We all know exactly what he said. But this is the speech where we got the two Corinthians line, which he did in front of a bunch of evangelicals at Liberty University who know that it is 2 Corinthians. We get another instance here of David not understanding what's actually happening. Because David writes that on Wednesday's CNN Tonight with Don Lemon, Trump explained the source of the wording. He said, quote, Tony Perkins wrote that out for me. He actually wrote out the two. He wrote out the number two Corinthians. It took exactly, I took exactly what Tony said, and I said, well, Tony has to know better than anybody. And on the next page, on the very, well, actually, two pages, I'm sorry, two pages, David asked Trump about the two Corinthians thing, and Trump lied to his face because what he said contradicts what he said to Don Lemon where Trump says, quote, well, I've actually over the years heard it both ways, but I would probably say I prefer saying 2 Corinthians, but I've seen it as you have both ways. And this is apparently David not realizing when he's being lied to to his face, even though he wrote these things down one page apart. Yeah, and when he says, I've heard it both ways, it's just like when he says, many people don't know, which is his code for, I just found out, or like, <laughs> I've heard it both ways means I am I'm can't admit that I was wrong. And then also the excuse that people, because I remember when this happened, people were like, well, British biblical mm -hmm. scholars and philosophy students say two Corinthians, and yeah. you know, Trump's mother is Scottish or whatever. I'm like, okay, first of all, she wasn't a scholar. She wasn't hanging out at Oxford University, and mm -hmm. neither is Trump. Like, he's not not a British biblical scholar, and they're yeah. like, well, actually, you don't know that, and it's like, am I crazy? Yeah, and I mean, beyond <laughs> that, Wade sticks, he admitted to Don Lemon on television, and we, look, this keeps happening with Donald Trump, where he admits what he really did on television, right? He fired Comey because of the Russia stuff. He said it on television. It was recorded. We can watch the words come out of his fucking mouth, and he did it again with this. And then everyone still tries to make excuses for it, even though he has admitted exactly what happens. We all know how full of shit he is, and it hurts me to my core. It hurts me so bad. But getting into the end of this chapter now, uh, Robert Jeffress appears again. Of course, you may remember Robert Jeffress. Uh, you can't be saved by being a Jew, uh, one of our favorite pastors over here. 
Uh, he said that Donald Trump selflessly offers himself for service to this nation for no other reason than his desire to make America great again, which we all know is is bullshit. But I don't know if you were as confused as I was with these few few uh, paragraphs right here because they jump from the from the Second Corinthians thing to Robert Jeffress speaking in front of a crowd to a Washington Post op-ed published by Jerry Falwell Jr. Seemingly with no transition between, no connection between the three, I don't, I got so lost right there. I don't know if you had the same experience I did. Yeah, I did too. I was like, is that happening all, did that all happen on the same day? Did that all happen like there was no time? There was like, and then it was like, why did you mention this? It seemed very unnecessary to the story. And yeah, it was very, very confusing. And then also, like, when Jerry Falwell Jr. was like, oh, well, he reminds me of my father and everything. And I was like, oh, so your father also was a terrible racist. That's great. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. well, we know that is true. We do know that is true. Yeah, and it's like, you're just making him look bad. And then there was also that weird thing about Mike Huckabee and Ted mm-hmm. Cruz and all that. And it's just like, what's happening? Did you interview all these people together? Like, what? Yeah, that was a very... I mean, I went to journalism school, just minored in it, but (laughs) they did not teach me to write like that. No, no, David is not a real journalist. That's why he works for the Christian Broadcasting Network. We've been over this. Uh, But so the very end of this chapter, uh, the last two pages, are talking about David interviewing Falwell and Trump backstage at the Adler Theater in Davenport, Iowa. And this is, I believe, on the eve of the Iowa caucus. Uh, so we get it here the, the night before the Iowa caucus and the results of the Iowa caucus. So the results of the Iowa caucus, if you don't remember from back in 2016, Ted Cruz won the Iowa caucus, Marco Rubio, I believe, came in second, and Donald Trump in third. And they say, they say this, that Trump lost graciously, which no, he fucking didn't. Donald Trump spent the months leading up to the Wakakis belittling and making fun of everyone else involved. He may have said nice sentences that night, but there was nothing gracious about what he yeah, did. Yeah, he said, how stupid are the people of Iowa? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then they God. voted for him in the election. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, did he have a point? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. And so all this, all this leads up to Mike Huckabee apparently... Uh, They they say that because, of course, after the Iowa caucus, Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum dropped out and both of them immediately went to work for Donald Trump at fundraisers, etc. Although earlier in this book, we got the quote from Mike Huckabee about what a terrible Christian Donald Trump is and he doesn't know why any evangelicals vote for him. But Mike Huckabee says, quote, the truth is the evangelical vote is always splintered. The big myth is that it unites. It didn't unite in 2008. (laughs) Mike Huckabee says this because he's still sore. If it had, I'd have been the nominee. (laughs) I know. He has to say that, oh, I'm not actually a social pariah and very unpopular. Actually, I'm very well-liked and not at all disliked by people. People don't think I'm great. Another reminder, Mike Huckabee's son killed a dog. Tortured a dog. Yep. And his, I mean, again, it's that grifting thing. I mean, his daughter's a press secretary now because he jumped on that Trump train, you know, exactly. right right then. So it's all about that access. And yeah, it's also, also the, there's no more force more united than conservative evangelicals because they show mm-hmm. up and vote. They fall in line. And I knew where several people I've seen where they voted for Trump because of the Supreme Court. And well, Trump at least tells it like it is, which means yep. he's a racist asshole and says all the thoughts I have out loud. <laughs> 
And yeah, yeah. And this whole thing, it's like they don't care if you speak their evangelical language. They just care if you'll bully people that they don't like and let them get away with what they want and bullying the people they don't like. As long as, you know, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my, my friend. That's their yep. whole philosophy. And they use that to, they said that a lot about Ronald Reagan, which I think they also mentioned in this chapter, where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we know Ronald Reagan's been divorced and, you know, he's this actor from Hollywood, but he's going to prop our causes up and we'll scratch his back he'll scratch ours kind of deal it's for people who don't like making deals with the devil they seem to make them quite frequently <laughs> that is definitely true and that is the end of chapter 18 and if you the listener sit in there thinking to yourself wait what the fuck was the point of these three chapters i can't tell you because there was no overarching theme to these three chapters these three chapters even the structure of the chapters themselves they don't tie in together in any sort of meaningful way, but the three chapters, even on their own, were so scatterbrained and all over the place. These are the most difficult chapters to read we've had yet in this entire book. They'd made very little sense. There was very little reason for any of the stuff that was included. Uh, I, can't, I can't tell you what we just read. I honestly can't tell you what the point was of any of what we just read. But I have to thank Apologize to Morgan for coming on the show uh, and suffering through this with us. Uh, and before we go, why don't you tell everyone where they can find uh, more of you? Okay, well, you can look for the Bioskeptical Podcast and Beyond the Trailer Park on Spreaker, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also find, again, Beyond the Trailer Park Live, 6.30 p.m. on Mondays on YouTube and Spreaker Live. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at MoString. That's M-O-S-T-R-I-N-G. And you can find me on Facebook, Morgan L. Stringer. All right, thank you again so much for coming on the show, Morgan. Uh, that is it for this week's episode. Remember, if you want more of us, you can find us on Twitter. The Book Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.